0: Good morning, brothers and sisters, We greet those of you on live stream too. Today I present for your consideration the person of Jesus Christ, not man's version of the Lord Jesus Christ, rather the one that God has declared to us in his word, the record that he has given of his son. And I am thankful to proclaim to you that record today. Jesus is not like any other man. What he does, nobody can take the place of. He is not only preeminent in authority, but in ability and in works. In other words, Jesus is totally and entirely unique. He is the one that God has instructed everyone to hear, and we admit that we love to hear about Jesus. No one comes to the Father but by him, and we are glad for this arrangement. To consider him is the most wonderful and compelling thing that you can do. He is the king of kings, and at the same time, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth, the pinnacle of reality as it is revealed to men, the prince of peace, the only one who can command peace. He's the only intercessor between God and man. Our great high priest bringing us to God. Oh, we thank Him. Oh, we love Him. Each one of these things, weighty considerations that cannot be exhausted. So today we'd like to focus our attention on this heavenly attribute of our perfect King, that He is the physician. He is the physician. Consider that while Jesus was here on the earth, He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He performed healings that were totally unheard of. He instantly opened the ears of the deaf and the eyes of the blind. He instantly caused the lame to walk again. He instantly gave strength to the feeble. He instantly caused a withered hand to be made whole. He thoroughly cleansed the lepers, which was an incurable skin disease. He instantly raised the dead with a word. He instantly stopped the issue of blood for a woman who was failed by her doctors, who spent her entire living on the doctors that could not heal her. He instantly healed her with a touch. Those who commented... On the healing work of Christ said things like, Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of a man that was born blind. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. He did so many wonderful works, brethren, that if they were written, the world would not be big enough to contain the books. That's John 21, 25, as according to the Scriptures. Since Jesus himself was not sinful and he did not have a sinful nature, he could take the infirmities of men onto himself and heal them by doing so. For it is written concerning these things: When the evening was come, he brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast the spirits out with his word, and healed all them that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The healing works of Jesus while he was here in the body are good things to consider. They are certainly the work of God. But is this all we limit to our thinking when we say that Jesus is the physician? Are we only referring to the physical healing that was performed while he was on the earth? See, there is a deeper, there is a more profound reason that Jesus came. Consider the following words of of our text this morning. They that are whole have no need of the physician. But they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I've heard the term great physician used by many people throughout my life, but strikingly, I found that the phrase is never found in any version of the Bible. And I'm always cautious about preaching language that the scriptures do not use, like the Great Commission or the Rapture. It's always best to say things the way that the scriptures say them. Of course, I'm, I'm not prepared to condemn anyone for calling Jesus the great physician, God forbid. I'm just saying that there is a more perfect way that we can say these things. And spoken conclusions to the truth aren't always invalid. Jesus is awesome. That's the truth. You won't find it in the scriptures. That's a valid conclusion. But nevertheless, there remains something to be seen here. You see, there is a reality far superior to what you can see with your eyes. An eternal and a spiritual reality. The greater healing is a spiritual healing. So when we say that Jesus is the great physician, it somehow implies that there are other physicians that operate within the spiritual realm. And while there are men who have their hand in helping the infirmities of men, Jesus is the only one that has the authority and the power to heal the spirit. He is the physician. He's the only physician. He gave his disciples power to cast out demons and to heal them that were sick. But he said, Without me, ye can do nothing. See, the preeminence belongs to Christ. Christ is the physician. He said, They that are whole have no need of the physician. But they that are sick. Brother Noah Webster certainly had this consideration in mind when he defined the word physician in his 1828 dictionary. He said, Physician, a person skilled in the art of healing, or one whose profession is to prescribe remedies for diseases, but in the spiritual sense, the one that heals moral diseases, the physician of the soul. He is the one who made us, the one who suffered temptation for us. He's the one who purchased us with his own blood. He has been given all power and dominion, and all things are under his feet. He has the power, it says, to make alive whosoever he wills. He can make them alive. Therefore, there is no condition physical or spiritual that Jesus cannot address and that Jesus is not ultimately responsible for addressing. There's nobody who can address the condition of sin except for Jesus. He is the physician. Your physical health is important in the sense that it enables you to do the things that are necessary to do while you are on the earth we offer our bodies up as living sacrifices to God. We, we, we offer ourselves to the work of the ministry. We offer this body up. There's, there's a sense in which your physical health is very important. But I would like to point out that your spiritual health is even more important. If you aren't living right before God, it doesn't make any difference how healthy you are in your body. Even if you experience a physical healing, it will only be temporary anyway. It says it's appointed of a man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. You can't avoid the first death, but you can avoid the second death. Amen. You can avoid the second death. Being in good spiritual health will, will, will ensure that you don't die twice. Yeah. He that over, overcometh, it says in Revelation 2.11, shall not be hurt of the second death. Yeah. I'm thankful that Jesus has delivered us from the second death. And not only could Jesus heal what no man could heal, there was no partiality or incompleteness to his healing. There were not any lingering effects from sin after he healed others. His restoration was a total restoration. No one who met the man who had his vision restored would have ever thought that he had been blind. No one would have supposed that the lepers were cleansed at one point in their life had leprosy. Well, now, some of you have been in Christ for a while. People you know who didn't know you before you came to Christ, would they ever conclude now that you used to do the things that you used to do? Jesus' healing is complete. This is really important to see. It's really important to see the thoroughness of Jesus's healing. If he has told us of earthly things and we believe not, how shall we be be persuaded of heavenly things, of spiritual matters? See, when Jesus took away your sin, was it only partially taken away or was it completely taken away? I praise God that it was completely taken away. The scripture is clear that he by himself has purged our sins. He really took it away as far as the east is from the west. By his stripes, we are healed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He'll he'll do this. He's faithful. And he's just. It's right. It's right for him to do that. He's faithful to do it. He said he'll do it, he will do it, and he's right to do it. Yeah. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from some all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. There's a totality to Jesus is healing. Totality. If you go to Jesus, he has the power and the authority to keep you in good spiritual health. To keep you in good spiritual health. And he's the only one that can do this. He is the physician. And if you can believe this, at the moment that you extend yourself towards him, you'll get the healing. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Who goes to a doctor if they don't feel like they need to go to the doctor? Who wakes up on a Saturday and says, I wonder what we're going to do today. I know, let's go down to the hospital and hang out around the doctor's. Who does that? A person who goes to a physician when they're seeking a remedy with something that they know inwardly is very much wrong. Or maybe a checkup to see, make sure I make I want to make sure everything's right with me. There's a concern. A concern's present. We know that something is not right. Or we're concerned that there may be something that we're unaware of that needs our attention. It could be a sickness. It could be a disease or an injury. So we go to a physician and they give us a diagnosis of our condition. And then they administer or they prescribe to us the things needed to treat it. He said, I have came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now I've heard some pretty perverted interpretations of this verse that have gained popularity in this generation. Some say that Jesus actually preferred the company of lowlifes rather than his devoted disciples. Others say that Jesus wasn't invested or interested in ministering to believers, but ministering to unbelievers. Some say that Jesus expects us to befriend the vile and ungodly while rebuking believers who desire to meet with other believers. Others even go as far to say that the gospel isn't for the saved, but for the lost, Those who ever only consider the things of God on a surface level have made themselves vulnerable to this kind of teaching. Was Jesus really saying that the Pharisees were righteous and that they were whole? Is that what he was saying? Were they already saved? Were they believers in him? Were the Pharisees believers in him? Was he saying to the same men he describes as whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones that they did not need his healing? No, the Pharisees' major flaw was this. They saw themselves as whole. They saw themselves as righteous already, needing no savior at all. They saw no use for Christ. They thought they had no sin. And elsewhere, Jesus said this concerning them. For judgment I am coming to the world that they which see might not see. And they which, they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. Yeah. The Pharisees claimed to know their standing before God as righteous, but inwardly they were full of hypocrisy and wickedness. They were the unbelievers, while the sinners were actually the ones doing the believing. The tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners were aware of their condition. They saw their own wretchedness, and they knew that they were deprived and that they needed help. The sinner beat upon his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. He saw he needed Christ. Jesus came to call those people. He came to call people who knew that they needed a savior to repent, to turn them around, to call sinners to repentance. See, sinner is the condition and repentance is the healing. It's a healing work. God is involved in it. The Holy Spirit is involved in it. And then Christ can make alive whosoever he will. The physician. So then once a sinner comes to repentance, is he a sinner anymore? No. He is righteous. He doesn't make a practice of sinning because he's healed. If any man disagree, like, what are you going to do with this scripture? Whoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, either known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Satan has worked through men since the first transgression. Once sin entered the world, Satan had free course with the human race, but not anymore. Once you have seen him and have known the one who has the power to make you free, the devil does not have power over you anymore. You don't have to obey his lusts. God is your father and the lust of your father you will do. (laughs) Jesus has healed us. We no longer have to be what we used to be. Once a leper was cleansed by Jesus, was he called a leper anymore afterwards? Well, was he? Did anyone say, well, that was a leper that was cleansed? Well, you know how we are. We're just lepers. Now that you are clean, the key is to remain clean. Away with the beastly traits of the dog returning to his own vomit and the washed pig returning to her mud hole, which that's why they do that. A dog returns to his vomit because he's a dog. A washed pig returns to the mud not because she wasn't instructed not to do that way. She returns to the mud because she's a pig. That's what pigs do. That's what dogs do. A person who tells the people of God, well, you know, we're not really any better than the ungodly. We're all sinners. It's like trying to convince people that they are dogs and pigs. And I'd like to say that whoever is in Christ Jesus today is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away and all things have become new. Jesus healed the paralytic man. And afterwards, he found found him in the temple, didn't he? So it shouldn't surprise us that when people have really been healed that they have a compelling desire to be in God's house, not linger in the world. You know, Jesus expects that too. He cleansed 10 lepers once. Nine of them left and only one came back and he said, where are the nine? He expects people that he's cleansed to come back to him. Jesus Jesus did not... Okay, so Jesus found this paralytic man in the temple. And of course, Jesus, being the physician, sees this man in the temple and he did what all good physicians do, right? He gave follow up. He had like a little follow up appointment with this man. Listen to this follow up care from the physician. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, that's after he cleansed him, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee. That's the follow-up follow appointment from the physician now. Amen. This isn't the only one that he told us to, by the way. He said to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery that he had mercy on, he said, go and sin no more. Well, maybe some, some of you at one point were caught in an act of adultery and Jesus had mercy on you. He said that even if you look upon a married woman, the lust after her and your heart, that you've committed adultery. And we can't forget the greatest form of adultery, unfaithfulness to God. Did you sin after you came to Christ? The word is not, okay, I understand. You know, we're all sinners. That's not the word. The word is, go and sin no more. That's the word. Not sinning is the point. If you desire to remain clean... And salvation is preparing us to stand before the throne of God in spotless confidence with exceeding joy. Now, even though not sinning is the point, not sinning is not the aim. Our aim is not to not sin. That's not our focus. Our focus isn't on not sinning. Our focus is on Christ. See, we gain strength to deny the expression of sin by focusing on things that are above, not on things that are yours. Put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put him on. And put off the old man and his deeds. Crucify the flesh. Have no confidence in the flesh. You know, it's a trap from Satan to try and order your life by what you shouldn't do. That's a trap from Satan. It's, the focus of abstaining is obtaining. Mm-hmm. The focus of abstaining from sin is obtaining the things of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if your focus is proper, as you walk down the middle of this highway, God said that He raised up a highway. It's a highway of holiness. And those who walk down the center of this highway will not err. God has declared it in His Word. Go and sin no more, it's something that must be done. And if a person chooses to ignore this follow-up care from the physician, if unbelief creeps in and says, well, that's really impossible, that person will eventually find themselves in a worse condition than they originally began with. And this is what the Scripture says about it. Consider the Apostle's letter. For if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse is worse with them than the beginning. It says things like it'd be better off if they had never known the way of truth. Now did Jesus give this once informed once infirmed man and this once adulterous woman impossible direction incapable to follow? Would it, would it have been right for Jesus to do that? To say, go and sin no more and then withhold the power? That would not have been right. Did He just set them up for failure? God forbid. Does God really ever tell us to do something and then withhold from us the ability to perform it? God forbid. Well, let's look, let's look to the Word of God for the answer. Let's look, for, let's look at the prescription that our physician has given us. Let's Amen. look at this prescription letter. And you can believe this word. I'll just give you the short version of it, okay? Has God really withheld what we need to go and sin no more? Let's, let's see. Let's, let's follow the prescription. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God provides a way out of every temptation. Amen. James 4, 7, if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Hebrews 4, 13, we have access to mercy and grace to help us whenever we need it. James 1.5, we have access to wisdom to know when to ask for that grace and what to do in any situation. Galatians 5.16, we cannot perform sin when walking in the Spirit. Mark 9.23, all things are possible to those who believe. Matt 21.22, all things are granted to those who ask in faith. Philippians 4.13, all things are possible through Christ which strengthens us. 2 Peter 1.3, all things are given to us for for life and godliness. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John 8.36, we are free indeed. Ephesians 6.11, we have armor that allows us to stand against all the wiles of the devil. 1 John 4.4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Second Peter 2.10 says there are things that we can do that prevent us from falling. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Amen. Isaiah prophesies of a way, a highway of holiness set up where if wayfaring men walked on it, that they would not err. God has placed something in you that cannot sin. Look it up in 1 John. It's obvious that we are thoroughly provided with every resource to do what Jesus has told us to do. The physician has given us a perfect prescription. But you see, there lies within every man a capacity to sin. That's why it's written, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Paul said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. We're not ignoring that. So God, in his mercy, has given us a promise. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, Today, if you require anything from Jesus, you can have it. By faith, you can have it. Do you need forgiveness? You can have it. Ask him. He's the physician. Go to him. Do you need grace not to sin? Ask him. He's the physician. He restores the sight and strengthens the feeble and heals the sick and emboldens the cowardly and gives comfort and peace in the time of affliction. And there is no condition in a person that he cannot address. He is able to save to the uttermost. The key is to getting to him, to receive his care. Now, you might have to crawl through a crowd of packed people to get to Jesus. You might might have to open up the ceiling and let yourself down through the roof. But if you can get to Jesus, you can can get the healing. This is why he's called the Physician. And some have called him the great physician. And Jesus can grant your healing by faith. It's your faith that makes you whole. Did Jesus say the Pharisees were whole? Had their own righteousness now cleansed their own souls? Had they no need of a savior for sin? The ones who we are told had dead bones there within. It's strange, though they made widows' houses their dinners. Here they condemn a man who was just eating with sinners. And so Jesus spoke a fit word, and it was just for them who thought that they were well and didn't have a need for him. Yes, they could not see their afflicted condition, which caused them to judge the man sent on God's mission. He did not come to call forth the proud, but the ones who, though ashamed, came to him from among the crowd for something to be gained. To call sinners out of their sin, effective is the one physician again. To keep us from falling and from backsliding conditions, he has not left us without effective prescriptions. To trust him, believe him, and receive of his grace, that we may be established in the running of this race. And if you should fall, there's an advocate selected. The physician is Jesus, and he's always effective. Grace and peace to you, brother.